Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book and movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and that little kitten with the mane of a lion to my right is Ellen. I am Gryffindor, hear me roar. Roar. (laughs) All silliness aside, we wanted to take a moment to address J.K. Rowling's tweet. We hope that it came from a place of ignorance rather than malice, but as there are no excuses, we also hope that she learned something from this. As our name is inspired by hers, we really wanted to demonstrate that regardless of her beliefs, Just Keep Rolling is, and always will be, an inclusive and accepting community. Our official statement is, if your core belief violates another human being's dignity and creates a hostile, demeaning, or abusive environment for them, then you need to understand that freedom of speech does not equal freedom from consequences. We stand with the trans community. That being said, we're going to roll right into our rolling rehash. In our last episode, we compared Chapter 8 of Sorcerer's Stone, The Potions Master, with the corresponding film scenes. I was feeling a bit under the weather and talking in my sexy voice the whole time, except, of course, for the inserts that were recorded after the fact to add in, but this chapter seemed to really only have minor differences from the film. Again, things were mostly just streamlined, so the extra details were omitted. We talked about how McGonagall did not show off her cat transfiguration in the book like she did in the movie, and appreciated Snape's flouncy, billowy entrance, even if it was completely unbelievable that a class would be in that perfect of order without a teacher present. We talked about Alan Rickman's flawless performance as Snape and how we were disappointed that some of the best parts of his scene were filmed but cut from the movie. We also missed the fact that tea with Hagrid wasn't included, and discussed how this shuffled around the scene a bit towards the end. During episode 8, Hairballs, Flouncing, and the Sexy Voice, one of our Potter ponderings was to wonder if Vault 713 was emptied because they knew someone would try to break in. It uh, seems that most people figured that Dumbledore can see the future even though he never studied divination. Yeah, considering that we've already read the book and watched the movie, we obviously know that Coral was the one who tried to break in. Yeah. Um, but since we also know from future books that Voldemort put a curse on the Defense Against the Dark Arts position, then I assume Coral returned from his travels, freshly possessed by Voldemort, <laughs> and requested a position he never previously wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think this would have raised Dumbledore's suspicions. I also think this is why Quirrell would have acted more squirrely, like trying to throw off the scent. Mm-hmm. But I think Dumbledore is smart enough to add two and two and come up with Quirrell is shady as fuck. Yeah, two plus two equals Quirrell is shady as fuck. That math checks out. Some solid math. It's the only math I can do. Solid math or Harry Potter math? I don't know. I can't really do either. This just worked out somehow. Okay, let's get Katie away from the math. Yeah, and... The other Potter pondering was, why do you think they cut out the potion scene where we got to see Harry being sassy towards Snape? Uh, Nobody really had a solid idea as to why this was removed, but the general consensus is that it should not have been. It was probably just a timing issue, really. Issue schmissue. I'm just saying, leaving it out was a mistake. Now that is some solid math. Agreed, but we're going to keep on moving before you start mathing more. Our trivia question last week was 
In the book, not the movie, what class does McGonagall pull Oliver Wood out of? Bonus points if you can tell us what class he was in for the movie, with the code word Quidditch. If you answered Charm's class or Professor Flitwick's class, then you got it. Oliver Wood was in Charm's class in the book. In the movie, he was in Defense Against the Dark Arts with Professor Quirrell, which we will be discussing more about in this episode. Congratulations to Diana Chapman, who was the first one to get the correct answer with the code word. And the bonus points. She did. She really did. Although the bonus points actually have no monetary value, but they look good on paper. So Sound good on a podcast, too. They do. I knew that she was going to get this one right because, as we're going to learn in her Sorting Hat story later, she loves Oliver Wood. She loves some wood. Giggity? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep rolling into Chapter 9, The Midnight Duel and its corresponding film scenes. Chapter 9, The Midnight Duel. Harry finds that he actually hates Draco Malfoy more than he hates Dudley. For the most part, he's able to avoid him until he learns that they will start flying lessons on Thursday at the same time as the Slytherins. Harry is worried about making a fool out of himself on a broomstick in front of Malfoy, and Ron says that he thinks Malfoy is mostly talk about his flying skills. Quidditch is a really popular topic among the students from wizarding families, and all the talk makes Harry, Hermione, and Neville even more nervous about it. That Thursday during breakfast, Hermione is reading out of Quidditch through the ages to try and pick up tips before the lesson, with Neville hanging on her every word. The mail arrives and Neville receives a package with a remember-all in it. As he explains that the smoke turns red, if you forgot something, the remember-all turns red. Neville is trying to remember what he forgot when Malfoy shows up and takes it from him. Before anything can happen, Professor McGonagall appears and makes him give it back. Later that afternoon, they meet for their flying lesson. The brooms are lined up in neat lines and Madame Hooch, a woman with short gray hair and yellow eyes, shows up and orders them to stand next to a broomstick. Madame Hooch directs them to stick out their right hand over the broom and say, up. Harry's broom jumps up at once, but very few others do. Madame Hooch then shows them how to mount their brooms and explains what they need to do in order to lift off and hover just above the ground. Neville panics and takes off early, shooting high up into the air, then falls hard and breaks his wrist. Madame Hooch takes him to the infirmary, telling the other students that they will be expelled if they ride a broom while she is gone. As soon as they are gone, Malfoy starts making fun of Neville. He finds the remember-all on the ground, and Harry demands he give it to him. Malfoy instead, Malfoy instead decides he's going to hide it in a tree and hops on a broom to fly off with it. Harry grabs his broom too, and Hermione tries to stop him, but Harry flies off after Malfoy anyways, realizing that flying comes naturally to him. He catches up with Malfoy in the air and threatens to knock him off the broom if he doesn't give him the remember-all. Malfoy doubts he can, and Harry grips the broom and shoots forward, narrowly missing him and sharply turning around to face him again. Malfoy throws the glass ball high into the air, and Harry speeds after it into a dive where he manages to spectacularly catch it a foot from the ground. His jubilee is short-lived because Professor McGonagall witnessed the whole thing and angrily tells him to follow her. Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle look delighted. Harry is certain he's going to be expelled. 
McGonagall leads Harry through the castle to Professor Flitwick's classroom, where she asks Flitwick if she can borrow wood for a moment. At first, Harry thinks wood is a cane that she's going to beat him with, but then learns that Oliver Wood is the Gryffindor Quidditch captain, and that McGonagall wants Harry to be the Gryffindor seeker. Wood is really excited about the idea and wants to make sure they get him a good broom. McGonagall says she will talk to Dumbledore about bending the rule, because she doesn't want to watch Slytherin beat them again either. She tells Harry to work hard so she doesn't regret not kicking him out, but then smiles and tells him his father, who is an excellent Quidditch player, would be proud. During dinner, Harry tells an astonished Ron about being made seeker and shares that he's the youngest player in a century. Fred and George Weasley show up and congratulate Harry as well. They are both on the team as beaters and feel really confident that they are going to win this year. Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle stop by too so they can taunt Harry about having a last meal before being sent home. Harry insults them back and Malfoy challenges him to a wizard duel. Ron agrees for Harry, saying he will be his second, and asks who Malfoy's second is. Malfoy chooses Crabbe and they agree to meet in the trophy room at midnight. Hermione tries to talk Harry and Ron out of it, but they don't listen to her. That night, they wait until everyone else is asleep and set out for the trophy room, running into Hermione in their common room. She again tries to stop them, following them through the portrait, and gets locked out. She decides to go with them, and they find Neville along the way. The four of them continue on to the trophy room, only to realize that it was a trap and Filch was there to catch them. They run away as fast as they can, but Neville accidentally bumps into Ron, knocking over a suit of armor and alerting Filch to their location. They continue running and meet Peeves, who yells that students are out of bed. They run around him and find a locked door that Hermione uses the spell Alohomora on to unlock. They make it through the door just in time to close it before Filch arrives. They hear him asking Peeves where the students are, but Peeves just messes with Filch too, refusing to answer. They think they are safe until they realize they are in the Forbidden Corridor. They also realize that it is forbidden because it houses a giant three-headed growling dog. As fast as they can, they run back through the door all the way back to Gryffindor Tower. They make it and collapse into the armchairs. Ron wonders why they would keep a dog like that locked up in the school, and Hermione points out that it was standing on a trapdoor, obviously guarding something. She tells them that they could have been killed, or worse, expelled, and exclaims that she is going to bed. As they go to bed, Harry realizes that the three-headed dog must be guarding the grubby package from Gringotts. In the scene in the movie, the first years are about to get their very first flying lesson from Madame Hooch. She has them all step up to the left side of their brooms, hold out their right hands, and say, up. Harry's broom immediately flies into his hand, followed by Malfoy's. But everyone else's brooms are more reluctant. Ron's even hits him in the head. Once everyone has their brooms, Madame Hooch asks them to mount them. At her whistle, she wants them to kick off from the ground and hover, then touch back down. When she blows the whistle, Neville flies off the ground and loses control of the broom, flying all around until he eventually falls to the ground and breaks his wrist. Madame Hooch takes him to the hospital wing, leaving the other first years unsupervised with brooms, threatening them with expulsion if they fly a broom while she is gone. Malfoy finds Neville's remember-all and makes fun of him. Harry tells Malfoy to give him the remember-all, but instead Malfoy gets on his broom to leave it on the roof for Neville to find. He taunts Harry, who also climbs on his broom despite Hermione's protests, and flies off after him. 
Harry again tells Malfoy to give him the remember-all and threatens to knock him off his broom. He lurches towards him and Malfoy decides to throw the remember-all. Harry speeds off after it, making an impressive catch right in front of Professor McGonagall's window, allowing her to witness the whole thing. As all of the other students congratulate Harry, Professor McGonagall shows up on the grounds and orders Harry to go with her. She takes Harry to Professor Quirrell's classroom and asks to borrow wood. She introduces Harry to Oliver Wood and tells Wood that she has found him a seeker. The scene cuts to nearly have the snick talking to another ghost about Harry becoming Gryffindor's seeker and transitions to Ron at reacting to the news. We find out that Harry is the youngest Quidditch player in a century, and Fred and George show up to congratulate Harry since they are also on the team as beaters. The twins tease Harry about some of the ways Quidditch can go wrong, and Harry is starting to get really nervous. So Hermione shows up and reassures him and takes him to a trophy case, where Harry learns that his father was also a seeker. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are heading back to the common room when the staircase changes, leading them to a different floor. They find themselves in the third floor forbidden corridor, where they are caught by Filch's cat. They take off running and end up at a locked door that Hermione opens with the spell Alohomora. They hide behind the once locked door to avoid Filch and find themselves face to face with a three-headed dog. They run from the room and make it back to the common room. Ron is appalled that they would keep a dog like that cooped up in the castle. Hermione points out that the dog was standing on a trap door and was guarding something. She then snottily declares that she is going to bed before they come up with another way to get them killed, or worse, expelled. Ron thinks her priorities are skewed. At the start of the chapter, Harry is upset to find out that they have flying lessons at the same time as the Slytherins, because he has realized that he can't stand Malfoy. Um, this is also where we see Neville receive his remember-all and try to remember what he had forgotten. Mm-hmm. And there was a part in the book when Draco shows up and takes the remember-all from Neville until McGonagall shows up and intervenes. But there's no indication in the book of what he had forgotten, so it was a really fun addition to the movie that they had him as the only student without robes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that last week. As well as how the film streamlining placed this part of the chapter in the previous film scene. Mm-hmm. Not for the first time or the last time for that Definitely matter. not. Yeah. <laughs> in the movie, the scene just starts right in on the flying lesson with the Slytherins. And this is where we first meet Madame Hooch in both the books and movies. Yep. So, um, movie Madame Hooch, I gotta say, she's spot on in her description she of the really books. She really is. Right? With the short, spiky gray hair and the yellow eyes. I love Hooch's cat eyes. Right? You know what I don't love? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that segue real fast. The fact that this film cannot seem to decide how to make Hermione's hair frizzy. Right. Like, you, it's legitimately crimped in this scene. <laughs> like, for fuck's sake. Just tease her damn hair or something. Flip it upside down, run her brush through it a few times, flip her back over, hairspray, frizz. Right. Bam. It's literally crimped. Like, I know this takes place in the early 90s, but... That doesn't mean we need to crimp shit. Oh, God. I can't. I used to have one of those crimping tools. and it, So did I. I don't know where it went, and that's a good thing. <laughs> Anyways, let's just keep rolling. Otherwise, the scene itself stayed relatively true to the book. 
with a few changes. Um, one was that while everyone is saying up to get their brooms into their hands, Ron flies up and smacks him in the face. Oh my god, the broom hitting Ron in the face. It's, it's comedic gold. I just love, and I love Ron's reaction where he's like, shut up, Harry. Right. That's so me. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Thanks. Just keeping it real. Uh-huh. Um, I love how when Neville flies up into the air, Hooch mm-hmm. is telling him to come down as if he has any choice in the matter. <laughs> You're right. Like, he's clearly <laughs> panicking and has no idea what he's doing. Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how we talked about the thing Neville was forgetting was his robes? Mm-hmm. It's a really good thing he seemed to figure that out since his robes are literally... What saved him from falling? Oh, right, because it slowed him down. He yeah. Just, yeah, that was a little bit more dramatic in the movie than it was in the book. Right. Because in the book, he just, like, shoots up and falls down. Straight, yeah. And it then in the movie, he, like, jerks all around and gets hooked on that. He gets hooked on the statues. Yeah. yeah and... with the swords and then gets hooked on the sconce. And... Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot more dramatic. Yeah. But then again, it has to be because it's a movie. Yeah, they do. You you really do need to up the action to make things interesting in films. Mm-hmm. More visually acclimated than an, a book has to be because you get to use your imagination when you're reading. Yeah, exactly. But in the novel, also during the flying lesson, after Neville breaks his wrist, Draco Malfoy says that he might leave Neville's remember-all in a tree for him mm-hmm. to find. Yeah. And in the film, he's going to leave it on the roof. Yeah. I remember being surprised that they let Malfoy say arse in a kid's movie. I was like, it was kind of so shocking. Like, oh, maybe the if the fat lump had given this a squeeze, he'd have remembered to fall on his fat arse. <laughs> it was like... Wow, really? Like, man, that's cold. It's, I mean, if you're in my school district, that is the least bad thing well, that some of my students say. But again, this is the ninth. Like, this is... That's true. The 90s. This it was a while a, It was a more pure time for 11-year-olds. <sighs> Things are a little different if now. If only we could go back. Can you believe we want to go back to the 90s? As long as the crimping things <laughs> don't come back. Yeah, keep the crimped hair to yourself. <laughs> and the white eyeliner, that doesn't need to come back either. <laughs> but anyway... Just keep rolling. Yeah. In both, Hermione tries to talk Harry out of going after Malfoy... And in the film, she specifically says, what an idiot. And I love this line. The Wizard Studies podcast tweeted that Hermione calling Harry an idiot and then everything working out for Harry anyway is the perfect summary of the series. <laughs> I like I, that. I got a really good laugh out of that. So yeah. I wanted to shout them out for that. That reminds me of, um, there was the meme that, that said, basically the whole the whole of the Harry Potter series is Hermione going, Harry, no. And Harry going, Harry, yes. <laughs> And that's yes. pretty much it. Yeah, that'll <laughs> that 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 covers it. Right. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell. <laughs> but let's just keep rolling. The actual confrontation in the air between Harry and Draco was slightly different between the book and the movie. In both, Harry threatens to knock him off his broom, but in the book, he shoots towards him and narrowly misses, then turns sharply to face him again. Malfoy throws the remember all high in the air and. Just as it starts to drop, Harry makes a pretty spectacular dive for it, catching it just before it hits the ground and then topples safely off of his broom. Yeah, well, in the in the film, it starts off, like you said, starts off like that. But when he shoots at Malfoy, he also takes a swipe at him, and Malfoy does, like, this fancy rollover, <laughs> like, little barrel roll to avoid being hit. 
Um, and instead of throwing the remember all straight up, he just throws it, like, he just throws it straight out. Like he's pitching a baseball. Yeah, exactly. And Harry speeds after it, catching it and doing a fun little flip in front of Professor McGonagall's window. You know, also, for the record, 2001 CGI just looks like the video game now. It's so funny to watch <laughs> it, really it now. It's, so, it's funny to watch any special effects in any movie. Right. Some of them holds up. Like, Some of it holds up, but. Yeah. But for the most part, a lot of, like, this the Harry Potter CGI, especially, uh... Quidditch. Uh, this one. Quidditch, and then, uh, like, the troll and stuff yeah. like that. It just looks exactly... It looks like the video game. It's so funny. Which will why it'll be interesting if they do end up deciding to remake it, to see what it looks like. Yeah, to see how they do it, for sure. But if they did just want to, like, edit together all of the footage that they have and make us the proper movie... At the three-hour-long director cut length, I'm, I'm down they with that could too. redo the graphics for it. True. They don't have to keep the old ones. So that's another idea, Warner Brothers. You should hint, hint, file that judge. away. Hint, hint. Um, also in the book, when Professor McGonagall shows up to take Harry, she's, like, super pissed. Yeah. But um, in both Parvati Patil and Ron are trying to be like, no, 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 it's not his fault. And she's just like, no. I don't want to hear excuses. <laughs> Come with me, Potter. And in the film, after McGonagall watches Harry catch the remember all through her window, she just walks down and she's like, Come with me, you know, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, good impression hey, there. Thanks. Thanks. I have moments. Um, but yeah, no one protests. No one says anything. They all just kind of look scared of her because they're pretty sure that Harry's now going to get oh, thrown yeah. out. Oh, yeah. He's sure <laughs> he's going to be thrown out. Yeah. And when McGonagall takes Harry inside, to make him a seeker, um, Oliver Wood is in charms class with Professor Flitwick, but in the mm-hmm. film he's having defense against the dark arts with Professor Quirrell. Which was our trivia question. Yeah, sure week. was. We previously talked about how the movie can't really show Harry's inner monologue, and so obviously this couldn't be seen. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't really include this in the movie, but when McGonagall asks Flitwick if she can borrow wood for a moment, Harry legit thinks that she's going to beat him. <laughs> That's and, right. She thinks he's like, a, wood is like right, a cane right. or something. Right, and, and like as funny as that kind of is, at the same time, it's a little sad, and I full-on blame the bag of assholes. Yeah. Because it makes me think that Vernon actually did beat him, if that's where his mind went. Well, there was the whole smelting stick right. thing. Hit him with your smelting stick and all that. So right. I, I, can, I can see how that how that goes. Yeah, in the film, McGonagall tells Wood that she's found him a seeker outside Quirrell's classroom. Um, but in in the book, in the novel, she takes Oliver and Harry to an empty classroom where they find Peeves writing rude words on the blackboard. I really wish we could have seen Peeves' graffiti. I really wish we could have seen Peeves. There is that as Period. well. Period. End of sentence. Oh, yes. Oh, Peeves. Oh, poor, poor Peeves. Should have never been cut. Nope. Um, in the book, McGonagall tells Harry that his father would have been proud and was an excellent Quidditch player himself. Yes. In the film, Harry's worried he's going to make a fool out of himself and Hermione reassures him, which sounds an awful like lot like she is agreeing with him at first. Because <laughs> with her accent, when she says, you won't make a fool of yourself, I, honest to God, for years, I thought she was saying, you will make a fool of yourself. I completely did too. And I was just like, wow, what a bitch. Right? Honestly, I thought she was just an asshole until I got the DVD and had the closed captions on. And I saw and that, oh no, she really does say, won't. And we just 
apparently our American ears can't pick up on right? that. Damn American ears. Damn American ears. <laughs> so I do just want to point out here that I feel like this was a little bit too friendly of Hermione. Because in the book, they weren't really friends yet. And she kind of thought Harry was just gloating over the fact that being put on the Quidditch team was kind of like a reward for breaking the rules. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So her reassuring him seemed a little out of place to me. Yeah. I kind of thought she was just sucking up, almost. Being a know-it-all. Yeah. Anyways. But yeah, she escorts him and Ron to a trophy case where Harry sees his father's name on a trophy badge saying that he was a seeker. Harry's dad was not actually a seeker, though. No. That's just what they put in the movie. The book didn't even mention what position he played, um, and J.K. Rowling herself confirmed later that he was a chaser. I don't know if you noticed, but in that trophy, on that uh, trophy, was also the name M.G. McGonagall. I did notice that. Yeah. Um, people thought for a long time that it was it was Minerva, but that's that's not possible because of the M in the McGonagall. Yeah, and the... but the date said 1971. It did, but McGonagall would have already been. A professor at that point. She started teaching uh, 1956, apparently. Oh. Yeah, she went to... She was a student from 1937 to 1944. Which, that gets all messed up with the Fantastic Beast timeline and yeah, everything, well, so... Yeah, well, eventually someday we'll do an episode about that and we'll talk about all that stuff then, too. But Yeah, but for I, right I now... I feel like it's a film thing where they just want to put these little, like... They probably thought it'd just be so cool to have McGonagall's name on the plaque, too, or something. Yeah. That they did that and didn't think about the fans being out there. Like, that's not possible. Right. I mean, theoretically, I mean, McGonagall did have two brothers, so it could have been a niece or a nephew. It could have been related to McGonagall. If you want to, like, if you want to look into it in that kind of way. Yeah, I guess it seems possible. It could have been, but... Unnecessary, but possible. Exactly. For the most part, it was just like, you couldn't have picked... Any other name, Like, if guys. you want to throw something in for the sake of the, the books, like, something to, like, a little throwback or something, pick yeah. something that was in the book. Right? Like, don't don't mess with our... I kind of think it would have been funny if they, like, put Sirius Black or... Right. You know, and then after the third, you people go back and be like, oh, wait, Sirius Black, hold on. Did he, was... he play Quidditch? I don't know. I'm just... Well, neither did M.G. McGonagall, apparently, but... Well, is is there an MG? Well, true. Exactly. Who knows? Anyway, we're just rantling right now. So yeah, a lot of rantling. I we're gonna we're just gonna keep on moving on. But that's keep... a really good point. Yeah. Back to the chapter at hand. The biggest difference, though, between the book and the movie, for the most part, for this section, is the omission of Malfoy challenging Harry to a duel, but actually just setting him up to be caught out of bed by right. Filch. Um, instead, Harry, Ron, and Hermione get caught on uh, a changing staircase and accidentally end up in the Forbidden Corridor. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and they're caught by Mrs. Norris. Well, they're not caught, but they're seen by Mrs. Norris. And um, although at this point, she's still just Filch's cat. Yeah, and this would have been the perfect opportunity to actually use her name. I don't mm-hmm. know why they wouldn't have. Yeah, but it any, doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, it's weird. Stupid omissions. But anyways, they escape from Mrs. Norris, because she has a name, mm-hmm. um, and Filch, by running through the corridor. Did you notice how the torches came on automatically? Yeah, they were on, like, a motion sensor, you know, like like the frozen food section at Target, right? <laughs> yeah, but I, 
I just feel like that's a dead giveaway that people have been running through the corridors when they shouldn't have been. But that was probably Filch's idea. Probably. He's pretty sneaky like that. Anyways, um, they end up at a locked door and Hermione uses Alohomora to get through into a room that turns out to be housing a giant three-headed dog. Yeah, way to keep the students out of the room with the three-headed dog. Use a lock that can be undone with a spell you find in the standard book of spells, chapter seven. Like, get your ass a deadbolt, guys. Come on. I feel like Alohomora would work on a deadbolt, too. You don't know that. Anywho, let's just keep rolling. (laughs) This part, uh, it's basically what happened in the book also, except that Neville was with them when they first meet the three-headed dog. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would say this just goes along with our whole theory that they cut Neville out because they really wanted to focus on the Golden Trio. Yeah, um, I'm wondering if maybe they do that, too, because then later on when Neville stands up to them um, for leaving the, the common room at night, it seems more uh, poignant, I guess. Yeah, because we can talk about this more later when it actually happens, but with Neville not being part of it, yeah, he's not a hypocrite. Yeah, because he's never been out Not with that them. it was his fault. No, not at all. But at the same time, We'll talk about that more later. Yeah, that's for future times. That's rolling on. Rolling on. Just keep rolling. <laughs> um, in both the book and the movie, Hermione says she's going to go to bed before either of them come up with another clever idea to get us all killed or worse, expelled. In the book, Ron has a sarcastic response saying, no, we don't mind. You'd think we forced her along. <laughs> I think Ron's movie response was much better with, you know, she needs to sort out her priorities. Yes, some of the changes that they made really were good ones. Yeah. Some of the lines like that, really, like, it's true. That was so funny. Right? Like, I, sometimes they take away from Ron, but sometimes they give him good stuff, too. Sometimes the director taketh, sometimes (laughs) the director giveth. So this brings us to the actors that we met this in this section. Not a lot of them. No, no. But two very awesome ones. I gotta say, the first was uh, Zoe Wanamaker as Madame Hooch. Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. But, uh, yeah, she's... I, I loved her. I thought she was great. I, yeah. You know, Doctor Who fans will know her as Cassandra. Seriously? Yeah. I'm a Doctor Who fan and I didn't know that. I'm ashamed. Yeah, that's Cassandra. That's, that's moisturized me. That's Hooch. Oh my god, I did not know that. That's so fun. That is crazy. That Just is like crazy. Hooch. <laughs> Hooch is crazy. But yeah, she's, uh, I've seen her in a lot of things. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of British shows and things like that. Um, she's a great comedic actress. I love her. She's hilarious. Um, and This is like one of those times where you're like, oh, look, the description actually fits the one in the book. Oh, yeah, they nailed that. Yeah, they did really well. I loved the way that she delivered her lines. And I love, like, she just really brought that to life for me. Mm -hmm. For not being a very big character. Yeah. She's still one that I really loved. Because, like, every time she shows up, it has something to do with Quidditch. Yeah. So we'll, we'll make mentions of the things that she pops up in future episodes yeah for sure because she's got some great moments among the quidditch happenings Mm -hmm. yeah for sure our other actor i'm actually going to introduce by his character name i have a reason for this but it is oliver wood Mm, oh captain my captain (laughs) right love oliver wood oliver wood um (laughs) you may have caught that just there whenever my husband and i play the 
um, Harry Potter Hogwarts battle game, mm-hmm. and the Oliver Wood card comes up as an ally card that you can purchase with your influence. If you've never played this game, you need to figure it out because this will make a lot more sense to you. If you have played it, you know what I'm talking about, but it's an amazing game. Anywho, anytime that the Oliver Wood card comes up, I deliberately say Olive Herwood. Well, yeah. Olive Herwood, and it Olive just... Herwood. it. My husband would just and this like, was and this was before you knew who played Oliver right. Wood. But my husband would just like deadpan stare at me and be like Oliver Wood. And that's what I said, Oliver Wood. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Katie and I were going through the notes for this episode, I learned that Oliver Wood is played by Oliver Wood is played by Sean Biggerstaff, which and is the most perfect. It name. was so perfect, and I just about. Had a wheezing fit. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it's my new favorite. It's so, an excellent name. But that has nothing to do with his ability as an actor, which I thought was significant. Oh, I love The only thing, I wish he would have been a little bit more um, intense as as Oliver. I always, feel, I always felt like Oliver was so... Well, I feel like they didn't give him enough screen time to well, that, show that. I mean, that's no matter how much screen time they gave him, it, it wasn't going to be enough. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, my, because my one thing with him was I expected him to be burlier. Okay, yeah. But I got over that really fast the second he started talking. <laughs> Not that he said a lot in this scene. Not that he needed to, though. There is that. I mean. Oh, Captain, my Captain, I, I repeat. <laughs> As you already mentioned. Yeah. Actually, and we are, I'm fast forwarding a little bit here, but when we get to our Sorting Hat story, it, this actually is going to end up throwing back to it. So it that's will. kind of fun. I'm glad that <laughs> this worked out the way that it did because it was an accident. But Sean Biggerstaff, Olive Herwood. Grade A. Grade A. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Ten stars. Fine holiday fun. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that's how you like to rate things. I, it just is, yeah. But yeah, so I approve. Yeah. Like I said, I wish I, I mean, and we'll get to this more later on. I wish he would have been a little more intense as a, as a Quidditch captain. Cause I felt like he was like so diehard. Right. His, some of his a, like really long winded speeches, like at least give him one. Yeah. I wish, but again, that's not Sean Biggerstaff's. No, it's not at all. Issue. Yeah. That was. He it is did, the filmmakers being completely very well. unaware of what was going to satisfy the fans. <laughs> uh, satisfy. I used that word on purpose. I know you did. <laughs> That's why we get along. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, anyway. let's just keep rolling. Well, that brings us to our Potter Ponderings this week. But I got to say, we didn't really have a whole lot because it was such a short... Um, it was such a short comparison, right. really. Um, I had suggested maybe asking everyone if they thought that Alohomora would work on a deadbolt. But I think that that's a yes or no question. And I think you're a yes or no question. And the answer is yes. Uh, whether you want to or not, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> want to do a podcast, Katie? Yes. Well, apparently I do. <laughs> she does. I really do. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, but we did, we, we were wondering... Ooh, what... I got one. Oh, yes. Is Hooch crazy? Hooch is crazy. That's another yes or no question. It's a Hooch is crazy question. It's... <laughs> and the answer is always Hooch, Hooch is, is crazy. crazy. 
we're referencing Scrubs, if anybody has picked up on that. Yeah. We can't help it. Every time we see Madam Hooch, it's just like, Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. <laughs> and I also, like, it's now a knee-jerk reaction. Like, I can't not respond. When <laughs> she says it once, I have to say it back. But I think our actual Potter pondering is just going to reflect a little bit more on uh, the M.G. McGonagall. Yeah. That was on the plaque in the movie. Yeah, the thoughts on that. So we'd just love to, I know there's articles out there, but I'd also love to hear if any of you guys have theories. Yeah. Also, Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. (laughs) Just testing it out. I can't, I can't not do it. It's fun to say. Double negative there means I have to. (laughs) But yeah, so what are your thoughts on the MG McGonagall that's in the trophy case in the movie? Was this just some kind of error on the filmmaker's part? Or is there an M.G. McGonagall floating around the Harry Potter verse somewhere? Yeah. And if there's not, why would J.K. have let it slip through like that? Seems kind of a weird thing to let go. Seems like it. Give us your thoughts. We want to hear you. Well, that brings us to this week's Sorting Hat story. And this week, we have a lovely story from Miss Diana Chapman. Also known as Doc. Yes. Um, She says, My name is Diana Chapman. I am a Hufflepuff. Wand is cypress wood with a unicorn hair core. Fourteen and a half inches. She's tall. Yeah. And slightly yielding flexibility. My Patronus is a white mare. So I had never really thought about this, and I am so effing strange. I remember being in middle school when the books came out. About eleven, I think. Everyone was obsessed with them, so out of sheer stubbornness, I refused to jump on the HP train. Keep in mind I'm an avid reader. I used to average over 100 books every summer vacation, and fantasy has always been my favorite genre. Fast forward a few years, my grandma listened to the audiobooks, and I believe she owned the first two movies. I was sick one day and decided to watch Sorcerer's Stone. After that, I had to read the books, and I loved them. I read Deathly Hollows in not quite double the time it took Ellen. Which was five hours for anybody that did not catch that in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. It took me two years for the record. Uh, because Katie's crazy. <laughs> Katie is crazy. <laughs> I think I do side with Ellen and I'll reread the books faster than I'll watch the movies any day. Also, I'll never forget how mad I was when I realized that Oliver Wood was given zero screen time in comparison to the books, because young me totally had a crush on movie Oliver. Really, who didn't? Right. Come on. Uh, Thank you, ladies, for making this podcast. Thank you, Diana, for listening to this podcast. And for sending us your sorting hat story. Absolutely. That brings us to our trivia question, which is, how many players are on a Quidditch team? If you know the answer, head to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and find the post. Comment under the post with the answer and the code word SNITCH. The prize for the first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word will get a Bitch is a Witch, Mafuckers a Wizard, or a Just Keep Rolling sticker. Your choice. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you are an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know that you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. 
Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook. Again, that's at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. If you'd like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash just keep rolling. As always, any support you can give is appreciated. Most definitely. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 10, Halloween, and the corresponding movie scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep rolling. Thank you.